0: Hi, welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message.
1: Hey, we've been doing a series around here that we've been calling "Work Life," and what we've been doing is that we've been looking really at God's purpose for work and your and your role, the, the vision that God has for you and your in your job and your occupation, and understanding what vocation is um, in your job situation, understanding what God's call is in your life for that, um, as well as ethics and integrity in work and uh, and your mission in work is what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to do a thing that we call Five by Seven, and these are five professionals that are working in a different area. Um, in the in the workforce and you're going to get to know them through that if you've never been to a five by seven what we do is we actually put a timer on and they have seven minutes each of them have, so each five each of these five has seven minutes to share a message and you're going to see the timer click down and they're going to communicate just from their perspective just this aspect of vocation and call in in ministry and in, in work in their work situation and so let me introduce them to you and as we do this in case you haven't been here before um, these these are not necessarily professional speakers that are used to this. Always know that the number one fear is public speaking. The number two fear is the fear of dying. And so people would rather die than speak in public. And so all of our role here is to encourage them, be their cheerleaders. All right, put your hands together, cheer them, say amen, all those types of things. Yeah, there you go. You're already getting started. And so first up to my left, if you've not met my beautiful wife, this is Courtney. Courtney. Um, and uh, this is about her, not about me, but so she's been married for 26 years, and she has four kids, and, um, and she's a certified financial planner and private client advisor for J.P. Morgan. Um, she moved to Austin four years ago, a little bit before I did, uh, about a month before, and then we moved to Briarcliff together. Um, she's originally from Colorado Springs, and a fun fact about her, was she was the only girl in her first grade class. That's Miss Courtney here that means clap. Next up will be Max Peoples. And Max says he's married to the most amazing and beautiful woman in the world, Beth Peoples. That's his word. They've been married over nine years, which he says has been the best years of his life. Beth has two wonderful grown children. He's a liquidation analyst, which you'll hear about what all that, what all that is about. Um, he's lived in the Spicewood area for over 20 years. He's originally from Sweetwater, Texas. And a fun fact about Max is he enjoys hiking with God in the Colorado Mountains, and he always feels closer connection with God when he's in the mountains and being able to give thanks to God for all of his many blessings. That's Mr. Max Peoples, everybody. And the next to Max is Jonathan Clark. And he's married to the amazing Amber. They've been married for 10 years. They have two kids. And Jonathan is an artisan and works from his home shop creating amazing furniture. And it absolutely is spectacular what he creates. If you haven't seen it or you haven't commissioned him, you need to commission him. A lot of pieces of furniture around here have been done um, by Jonathan. Um, He's lived in the Spicewood area for the the past eight years. Um, He's originally from South Austin, so one of the natives. A fun fact about Jonathan is he subconsciously sings or whistles Christmas carols when he's really tired, and apparently this is genetic because his daughter Savannah, who's five years old, does the exact same thing. That's Jonathan. And the next to Jonathan is Hyde Griffith, and he is married to Cynthia, and they've been married for 28 years. They have three kids and two grandchildren. He's the engineer and the chief operations officer for a project management firm. He's lived in the Spicewood area for three years. He was born in La Jolla, California and raised in South Carolina. And a fun fact about Hyde is that he enjoys dangerous adventures and has lots of stories to tell. Just ask him. That's Mr. Hyde. And last but not least is Miss Christine Flores. Married to Michael here on the front, second row there. Um, They've been married for seven years. They have two kids, and she is the COO of the Beeswax Company, and is affectionately referred to as the Queen Bee. She doesn't actually live here in the Spicewood area, but over in the Dripping Springs area, but Pacebin Park was the location of many of Christine's and Mike's first dates. She is originally from Austin, one of the few. And a fun fact about Christine, it goes a long way. She's a sixth generation Texan, a fifth generation Austinite, and her grandmother grew up on 6th Street in downtown Austin. That's Miss Christine. All right, so get, to get us started, put your hands together for Miss Courtney Walker.
2: Right Well, when I got married 26 years ago, I didn't necessarily know what I was signing up for in becoming a pastor's wife, because I had graduated from college with a degree in marketing, and my plan was to go into the business world and, and have a career. But shortly after we graduated, Russ and I got married, and that was in 1993. We had a baby in '94, '95, '96 and2,000. And so needless to say, God had other plans for me, and I was fortunate enough to be able to stay home um, with the kids probably for the first 10 years and raise them, um, and I was very grateful for that. But it was during that time, too, that I was trying to figure out, you know, what is this pastor's wife thing? Maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing here. And I had a dear friend give me this book, and it's called How to Be a Preacher's Wife and Like It. And so I want to read a couple excerpts from this. Um, It says, The duties of the average pastor's wife range from criticizing her husband's sermons to baking cakes for the church supper. The pastor's wife needs to rise at a comparatively early hour, dress herself in as an attractive way as possible to be at her very best in serving the family their breakfast and in giving them a good start for the day. It is most important to family morale that you serve three good, tasty meals each day and on time. The minister's wife must be willing and able to participate in every phase of church life, from singing in the choir to teaching Sunday school. Well, I can tell you that most of this I have failed at, and quite frankly, you would not want to hear me singing in the church choir So shortly after our youngest, Sheldon, went to school um, full-time, I went back to work. And I got a job as an assistant to the financial advisor that lived in our small town. And um, that was great for a couple years. Long story short, he ended up losing his job. He was fired for some unethical practices, and he was ultimately banned from the industry by FINRA and the SEC. And I'll never forget the day my supervisor came into my office and he said, Courtney, you know our clients, you've been working with them for a couple of years. If you can go ahead and get your licensing done, we'll let you take over this $50 million book of business. And the whole time he's talking, I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to do it. And I had, it was, you know, this door was wide open to me. You know, God had opened this door and I was hearing nothing of it. And the things going through my head were. Number one, I am a terrible test taker. I was a solid C student, um, and there's a huge fear that I'm never going to pass these exams. There was three exams. A couple of them were pretty tough that I'm never going to get beyond that step. Um, number two, I'm a woman, and this is a male-dominated industry, not that men are bad or anything. It's just the way the industry is. 75% of all financial advisors are men, and so it was super intimidating. So I'm fearful. I'm completely intimidated. And then the last thing is I'm a pastor's wife. And, you know, other people's expectations, because pastor's wives are not on Wall Street. They are at home making three tasty meals a day. (laughs) So I was ready to slam the door shut, but through the encouragement of Russ and some others, I went ahead and I walked through the door. And I took my exams, and I passed the three exams in three months on the first time. And... (laughs) And shortly after that, I went on to get my certified financial planning certification, which at the time was a two-day exam, um, and passed that as well. And that is really just God's grace. You know, when he calls us to something, when he opens the door, he gives us what we need to do it. And he always, I think, calls us to things that we cannot do on our own strength. We have to be able to rely on him. And so through this journey, you know, I can say it's had its challenges for sure. I meet with clients, and their response is always when they find out I'm married to a pastor, that's weird. Or they're dead silent, and I'm like, I know, it's weird. I haven't figured out how this all works either. But um, because we have these things, and society tells a pastor's wife what we should look like, it's making how many tasty meals a day? Thank you. And then the business world tells me a financial advisor that works in Wall Street should be a man in a three-piece suit with some slick sales presentation. And I'm like, I'm i am I'm none of these. So the firm that I work for, J.P. Morgan, we have 43 advisors in Austin, and 37 of them are, are men. So I'll go to advisor meetings sometimes, and I'm literally the only female advisor in there. And, like, even today, it can be completely intimidating. It's as if I'm back in first grade, you know, the only girl in this, this male dominated world. And so it's just figuring that out. And I've said, God, why am I in this? You know, I'm not the typical one to do this, but then it's when I have a young widow come to my office and she has a life insurance settlement. She's never balanced a checkbook and she doesn't know how she's going to make, you know, this settlement or the policy last her lifetime. And so I realized that I can bring empathy, and kindness, and ethical business practices um, into personal and really help people to bring the emotional to the practical, and it's like, I can do this, and it's like Travis shared a couple of weeks ago about being uniquely created, you know, for what God calls us to, and I feel like, you know what, I can do this. I can be that bridge for people, even though it might not be typical or seem, you know, like where a normal pastor's wife should be, you know, and on the pastor's wife's side, I've discovered there's plenty of women in the church that can sing in the choir. Violet is much better singer than I am. Um, and people in the body of Christ have just come together to fill in every spot that we need. And then I look too as, you know, just God's provision in our family, because early on, like every job we took, especially in our early years, we took pay cuts. And at the time, I'm like, I'm going to have four kids in college, three at a time. You know, how are we going to do this? And had I not walked through that door, how many years ago, you know, I think I would be missing out. You know, God has been so gracious for it to be just provision for our family as well. And I want to encourage you just today, just like I said before, to be aware of the doors that God opens for you in your careers. Sometimes they're going to be, they're probably usually going to be scary. And intimidating, because those are the ones that I think God calls us to. So the next time you see an insurmountable challenge in your career path, it might just be God.
3: Thanks, Courtney. I want to share a verse that's been life-changing to me. There's many verses been life-changing, but this in particular too. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. For a long time I didn't get that. But if we get that truly in our heart and our mind that we are working for God and not for ourselves, not for people, but for God, that changes our attitude in everything that we do. People ask me what I do. I say I'm a liquidation agent, and they just... Don't understand that. But basically what I do, I go out and close financial institutions that are in bankruptcy. I see the wind down of that institution. But truly, I am an ambassador of God. As Pastor Russ was talking last Sunday, that we are partners with God. And if we truly believe that in our heart and know it, that truth, that we are partners with God... We can do amazing things. We look at life so differently. A long time ago, I want to bring this book up. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's about Brother Lawrence. He was a monk 3,000 years ago. He worked in a kitchen. He washed dishes, cleaned the floors, took out the trash. But he knew what life was about. It was seeking that presence of God. He had that joy and love and faith and peace about him that just drew people to him. And I don't want to be like Brother Lawrence. If I'm taking out the trash, it's for God. It's for his glory. A long time ago, over 30 years ago, when I got out of college in 84, I got in the real estate development and commercial business. Five years, I was going to be rich. I was going to retire. I already had it counted out, not knowing that the Texas economy would crash in '86. I lost everything. God took everything from me. I didn't have nothing. I didn't even have ten cents. But that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because when I emptied my hands of, God, of the things of this world, I could hold Jesus in both hands. And one of the things is how I start my day every, every day to get on the good foundation, right footing. And when my alarm goes off in bed... I give praise to God. This morning, I was giving praise because my father died when I was five years old, and God took over, took care of my mother and brother and me. He is the Abba Father. When I go to the bathroom, I shut the door, and the first thing I do, I fall on my knees to give, glorify him for his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his kindness, his goodness. I can go on and on. And before I leave the house, I'm on my knees again in front of the door ask him into my day. Come, Lord Jesus, come into my day. I want that presence. I want to be like Brother Lawrence. And when I travel to work, it takes about 40, 45 minutes. And usually I'd grout if it's 45 minutes, but there's not that much traffic 5 o'clock in the morning. But that is a special time for me now. I have time to worship God. I sing praises of God. Sometimes I just listen to what he has for me. And when I get to work, The first thing, again, I get on my knees and ask him into my workplace. Come, Lord Jesus, help me, guide me, direct me, give me guidance. Help me not to tarnish your name, your precious name. I have my life verse and mission statement from Callus. I have it so I can read it every day. If you haven't been through Callus, do it. It's really good. I have a devotional, my utmost for his highest. Oswald Chambers, a great devotional to get my day started, always get to work early so I can read that before my time starts. I've positioned my desk and my credenza in a way that I can be in prayer before God that no one sees me. Because there's a lot of times during the day or week I come into a challenge or a problem that I have no answers for. And I get on my knees and ask God for an answer. And it's so amazing how God comes to my rescue and answers that prayer. We have a, at lunchtime, I read the other devotional that we have at one chapel. I read the Bible. Also, pray before I eat. And there have been a number of people come up to me, talk about Jesus, because I just pray before I eat and give God thanks. We used to have a Bible study and a prayer time before we moved offices and downsized. But it was amazing the number of people who did not know Christ in the middle of a crisis or a crisis when their family would come to us and ask for prayer, that God's door was opening up to hear the message because God put them in that place like I was a long time ago. I just give him praise. I pray for my leaders. I pray for my co-workers. I try to be an encourager to everyone around me. And because of my job, when I get a call, I know the storm is coming. And I'm going to have to be the carrier of that bad news of that storm. People could be losing their jobs. I mean, their lives are going to be totally devastated. But with Christ, I have that compassion to be praying for them, helping that transition and trying everything I can do to get another financial institution to take them over so they will have jobs. And I even pray that it will be a bigger institution. They can have more benefits from that. I have to rely on God in everything that I do. I love hiking in the Colorado mountains. And after an hour or two, I'll hike up and I'll look back and I say, man, I've really gone a long distance. But then I look up and I say, whoa, I got a long ways to go. And I think that's my journey with God. You know, I look back and say, yeah, I've come a pretty good distance. oh, but I got a long ways to go where He wants me in that relation, that deep relationship. I'm just scratching the surface of who He is, of His grace, of His mercy. And what I want to do is encourage every one of you to seek the presence of God, just like Brother Lawrence. That's what I want to do. I want to be taking out the trash, washing ditches, anything. I want to give him glory. I want to give him praise 24-7. Thank you.
4: As a sole proprietor who works from home, I enjoy all the best benefits. Um, I am not in corporate America, but each day I get to enjoy a breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the table with my family, which tells me that I might be married to a pastor's wife. Uh, my commute to work each morning is a pleasant stroll <clears throat> down to my shop. Um, And we live, obviously, out in the country here, so get to listen to the birds sing and the the deer browse and uh, watch the sun come up. And the early time of the morning is always my favorite time of day. So for that reason, I am never late. (laughs) I'm always on time. I make employee of the month every month. (laughs) And I also enjoy preferred parking. So God is good. He's very good. He gives his children good gifts. He filled me with the gift of the Holy Spirit when I was a child. Through my relationship with him, he blessed me with the revelation of my lifelong vocation at an early age. I like that word vocation. This this word came up a few weeks earlier in this series, And the definition is, the work that fits you, that's me, helps others and glorifies God. My childhood curiosities motivated me to create and build the things that filled my imagination. This included the ideas of the family and the friends that were placed around me. When I was uh, going into kindergarten, I was placed in the school's arts program, Evidently, they recognized something in me. Sometimes it felt awkward going to the art museums with other children, handed this sketch pad that I was instructed to express my personal interpretations of each painting or sculpture that we were there to observe. But this did did allow me to leave school on a random Tuesday morning and go on a field trip while my classmates were subjected to the monotonous task of reciting their ABCs. (laughs) Around the age of 12, I began working with uh, theatrical prop design, special effects, church construction, home building, designing and building furniture, all kinds of woodworking projects, and many other interests. At the age of 22, God called me. He spoke to me. He opened my eyes, and I heard him with that inner voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, I want you to begin a children's ministry in this church, in this home church. It's not this church. It was my home church at the time. And I served that faithfully for eight years and was able to successfully establish it. And I give glory to God today because that is still continuing today. I like the connection, the example that I find in the 31st chapter of Exodus. God had given Moses the blueprints for the tabernacle, and many of you know what that is. This is the place where his presence would dwell among his people. God tells, us, tells Moses, I have chosen Bezuel, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. This is a very special individual. With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and, and with all kinds of skills. And to assist him, he appointed Ohiliab and all the skilled workers in the children of Israel. I have given ability to them to make everything that I have commanded you. him speaking to Moses. This was the Ark of the Covenant. This was the tabernacle. This was the priestly garments. This was the anointing oil. And this was even the, the fragrant incense in the Holy of Holies, the holy place. God said, they are to make them just as I commanded you. Every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. About um, eight or ten years ago, my wife and I, we got to travel to uh, to Southeast Asia. And um, we spent a good deal of time over there just um, looking, being intentional, for where God was at work. We wanted to see him at work. We wanted to see his spirit at work in a uh, country, in a continent beyond our own. And we found him there. And while we were in Asia, I had this opportunity while we were serving there for about a week, um, the missionary's wife, who uh, they had been lifelong missionaries, she had just had her first granddaughter. And she said, you know, there's something I would really love to do. I would really love to just be able to hold my granddaughter and rock her in a rocking chair. And she said that in, in India, they don't, there's no such thing as a rocking chair, and it, it wasn't practical to be able to bring something in to import a rocking chair. And I said, well, I'll be here for a week. Let's build you one. And what an amazing experience that turned out to be. And the good news is, is that she was able to have a rocking chair to rock her little granddaughter in. God blesses us with these gifts so that we are able to bless others. So what are your gifts? What what has God called you to do? My vocation is easy when I'm focused on why and who I am doing it for. The satisfaction and the fulfillment that comes through helping the people God has placed in my life confirms his calling with each new project. I am commissioned to design build and deliver for the elaborate projects from the exotic materials with rich compensation I am able to address the simplest needs that I am able to donate with my own resources so Jesus said from the greatest to the least the very least for that reason I am blessed to be a blessing
5: Good morning, or good afternoon. Now, yeah. uh, I have always been wired for uh, leadership, adventure, achievement, and administration. <clears throat> there are lots of stories to confirm this about me. You can just ask Cynthia later, and I never cease to surprise her with new stories of my antics growing up. But what do I do as a chief operations officer for a project management company? We manage... Uh, complex healthcare and higher education projects, hospitals—they um, typically range between 25 million and up to 900 million apiece. And my job, principally, is to execute the CEO's vision, to be an integrator, and to make it all work together. To essentially bring order out of chaos. And there's usually a lot of chaos. But those gifts, when taken to an extreme and not operating under the Holy Spirit, tend to abuse people, hurt people, run them over. And so I've learned that there are a lot of there have been a lot of casualties along my quote road to success. Um, and uh, at times things that are my assets have become liabilities without the leadership of the Lord in my life. And this is essentially spiritual or emotional immaturity. And we all have it to some extent, probably more than we actually realize. Uh, Over the last 20 years, 30 years of actual professional experience, uh, the Lord has worked through his word, through prophetic words to our family and me, through my mistakes. And there have been a lot of them and other sources of information. I like to read a lot of other books that then bring me back to having different perspectives on the word. Uh, And in that, one of the books that I've really enjoyed over the years is this one called The Seven Longings of the Human Heart. And in it, the authors talk about these longings that have been hardwired into our DNA by the Lord with the the intent and purpose to bring us and draw us back to him in areas that only he can satisfy. And in the world we live in, they're either satisfied one of two ways, in a healthy way, in a healthy perspective, or in a dysfunctional way. And so I have um, had to learn over all those years how to meet those needs in a righteous way. Um... One of my other favorite people in the Bible is King David, and he uh, was 20 years in a very intense discipleship program called the Saul Training, the Saul School of Training. Uh, I've been there too over 30 years under various souls uh, in my day, and that's a very intense uh, program. The marketplace that we operate in and that you operate in, many of you, uh, is an intense place of politics, emotions, profit loss, wins, defeats and a thousand other things that impact our hearts, challenge our hearts. In the books of Chronicles and Samuel, uh, we read about and learn about the historical facts about David's life, but it's in the Psalms that we actually are exposed to the movements of his heart. And I think that's a, a very important part of leadership and operating in the marketplace is, is understanding the movements of our heart. In First Samuel sixteen seven, Samuel is going to Bethlehem to anoint the next king. And the Lord says this to Samuel, "Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him." He's referring to Eliab, the oldest son of Jesse. "For God sees not as man sees, the man for man looks at the at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." And so, similar to David, I have found that I have been through many stages of growth and development over these 30 years of professional work, but even years before that in college. Uh, and one of those lessons learned is to really take care to not move too fast, wanting to be advanced or promoted. Easier said than done. Uh, the need to develop not only technical, but relational skills to be effective in the marketplace. And that these experiences are typically cumulative. We, they add upon one another, they inform one another, and... They build upon one another. And lastly, that there is an integration. It's hard to explain, but there's an integration that the Lord is doing in all of us in the marketplace. And that just takes time. Um, we're so such a hurry to get somewhere. Uh, the Saul trading program was a very, very necessary part of David's training to become king of Israel. And it's essential in our lives as well. David passed and failed many Uh, heart test or integrity checks along those years. Um, And then there's another book called Emotional Intelligence. I don't know if you've heard of this one, but there's two critical components to emotional intelligence, personal competence, which is self-awareness and self-management. And the second is social competence, which has to do with social awareness and relationship management. So back in 2006, I'd been with Broadus for about two years, uh, and I tried to resign from the company. I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but the CEO would not accept my resignation. He said that I had to come to Austin and make my case in person. And being as young and naive as I was, uh, I believed him. I didn't just take the next job. So on the way to Austin, I was praying in the spirit and driving and worshiping like I normally do around Texas. And asking for the right words to say to the CEO and the chief operations officer. And as I was driving and worshiping, a, a winter storm blew in. This was November or December. And I found myself off of Highway 290, off in the country at a stop sign with city names and road numbers that I had no clue where I was. And I was lost physically. But the Lord spoke to me internally and said, Hyde, you really are lost. Uh, Just stop and listen to me. You have no idea where I'm taking you. And when you get to the CEO's office, you will unresign. And I said, what? Who does that? Who unresigns? And he said, you will. That's exactly who will. So when I got there, the CEO said, where should we start? They had all my analysis and spreadsheets in front of them. And I said, well, let me start. And he said, that's a great idea. So between the stop sign in his office, I was led to a number of other instructions the Lord gave me, which was to repent of my orphan spirit, uh, basically to ask them for forgiveness, uh, to not demand any changes to my compensation program. And I was to return to my assignment, work hard, be faithful. And trust that the leadership would reward me in time. Needless to say, they were baffled and speechless. But I got up from the table and said, thank you for listening to me. I'm going back to work. That blew them away. But the point is that God really intervened to get my attention and to redirect my actions on that day. Um, In summary, um, God really has leadership lessons to teach all of us in the marketplace. Number two that we need to develop all of who we are to serve God in the marketplace. That's our craft and skill as well as our relational skills. And lastly, that we are to be faithful to do as the Holy Spirit leads us, even if it doesn't make sense. Because my favorite scripture is Zechariah 4, 6 that says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. Amen.
0: None of your beeswax. I think I've heard that line more times than I can count. And typically, it's right after somebody asks me, what do you do? I tell them, and then they find a clever way to fit it into the conversation thinking they're the only ones who ever thought of that. (laughs) And if that's you, don't worry. I still love you. (laughs) But seriously, none of your beeswax. That's pretty much how I felt when I first started out. All I knew about bees was that my great-grandfather was a beekeeper. And while I was intrigued by these fascinating little insects that made honey, I wasn't willing to risk getting stung. Mike and I were expecting our first daughter, Samantha. And the option for me to stay home wasn't really viable. Not only that, I had always felt like I was meant to work. Specifically, I felt like I was supposed to run a business. The problem was, I had just exited a career I knew wasn't a fit for me. But you know what? I think sometimes that's, God where, that's where God gets to do some of his best work, when we feel like we've messed up. Not long after, my dad, who owns a mergers and acquisitions firm, told me about this seedling business he had listed that made beeswax candles. Right away, I felt something stirring. There was a problem, though. There was already an offer on the table, and two others lined up right behind it. Plus, Mike and I weren't really in a position to buy a company. That's okay. If you know me, you know I don't give up very easily. And even though I had pretty much walked away from church, I prayed, and God moved. Time passes, Now I'm very pregnant. I'm eight months pregnant, and I do what most women do at the tail end of their pregnancy, I asked my husband to quit his job to help me start running a business we had zero experience in. About a month later, Samantha was born, and we moved the business to Austin. None of this made a lot of sense, but we did have hope. The first two years were a whirlwind. I learned I had so much left to learn. So I started seeking knowledge. Ecclesiastes 7:11 through 12 says, "Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter, but the advantage of knowledge is this: wisdom preserves those who have it." So practically, what did I do? I contacted the Chamber of Commerce. I went to different workshops. I studied at home. I found a mentor. I even talked to one of our competitors. And we started started burning beeswax candles like crazy. Our house was always filled with burning candles and always smelled like warm honey. I did this because I realized if I was going to excel in this business, I needed to understand better than anyone how my product performed. Have you ever toiled at something? I have. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. I've toiled, and I haven't always been happy in it. But I feel like the, the most worthwhile toil has been when I've let God do in me what he wanted. And when I would get out of the way and let that happen, I would typically see those benefits spill out into business. I remember the day I felt God had planted in me true joy, like the joy of the Lord kind you experience in those mundane, everyday experiences right in front of you. My staff was out sick. Everybody had caught a bug. So I was the only one working. It was the holidays, and we were busy. It was a long day. I toiled that day. And when I finally finished everything on my list, I sat down at my desk, completely exhausted. I looked out the window, and at that moment, I was flooded with gratitude and joy. I came home to my family. Mike had lovingly picked up dinner. The kids were outside playing in the backyard. And my heart was overwhelmed with thankfulness for everything he had given me. I started making it a point to be intentional about bringing this kind of joy and positivity to work every day. I started being intentional about being the kind of leader who encouraged, who genuinely cared about my team and not just about what my team needed to do for the business. And though there's so much more to the middle of the story, by God's grace, I now have the privilege of working with retailers all over the U.S. and in Canada. Retailers like Central Market, TJX Corp., Urban Outfitters, with more on the horizon. These companies I once thought were way beyond the realm of possibility. I now have a team who I love working with, who I get the privilege of pouring into, who I get to call family. I love that God gives every one of us. The ability to be a blessing to others. Proverbs 11.25 says, Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them, and the one who pours out blessings will be saturated with favor. I have favor. When Austin Woman Magazine reached out to me for a featured article, I thought to myself, wow, if God can do all this with my little dream." I need to start dreaming bigger. (laughs) So just wait. More is coming because my God, your God, is a generous and loving God who wants only the best for me and for you. Let me ask y'all a question. What kind of candles do you think the Israelites made in the land flowing with milk and honey? (laughs) Look, it doesn't escape me that God chose me to make beeswax candles, a product made from one of his tiny creations that burns longer, cleaner, and brighter than other candle types. He chose me, someone who was broken, to spread his light in a very literal and spiritually powerful way all over the world. I'm humbled, and I'm grateful. So I want to encourage you today. If you're toiling with something, and maybe it's something God's wanting to do in you. Like he's done in me. I want to encourage you. God loves you. He sees you. He cares. And he wants what's best for you. So keep going. Thank you.
1: Thanks for joining us today. If God is
0: doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. See you next time.